And coming to you live from sunny South Florida, the Mystic Hour is live. The boy Mystic Black and the Incomparable. I don't know about that. I don't know. (laughs) Nick Marcus. uh, Incomparable, yeah, Nick Marcus, but Incomparable, I don't know about that. (laughs) The legendary. uh, Surely there's somebody that can do a better job than me. No, 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 no. Not in my eyes. Not in my eyes. Welcome, guys. We are here. Uh, happy Mondayless week because it felt like this week went by so fast that everybody was yeah. off on Monday. Maybe not everybody, but week has most felt people. fast. Um, most people. Thanks for joining us a little early today. I know there's a lot of things going on tonight. Football is back. Uh, we got basketball tonight. We got Lakers playing tonight. We got a lot of fights this weekend. We got three different cards. We got so much to talk about. Um, no nice hat, Nick. Go <laughs> Shouts to the Heat for making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> That's none of my business. That's none of your business. Uh, Dolphins yeah. played this Sunday. They are playing a, a team that I might know a little bit something about. Uh, not sure if you guys know who New England Patriots are, but mm-hmm. they'll be taking on the Miami Dolphins. But good luck to both teams. I am not a Dolphins hater. No. Yeah, you know what? what's funny is that I actually, if it wasn't for fantasy football, I feel like I wouldn't even be that, that into football. Of course, I represent Miami, so I'm always going to root for the Miami teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking forward to having something additional to watch. It's, it's nice to see all these sports coming back. You know, obviously UFC, uh, Bellator, all these guys have been doing a great job at uh, giving us some entertainment. So, you know, glad to see more people are jumping along. Absolutely. I feel the same way with the fantasy thing, because uh, before I watched football, but like, this made me watch every single game because I had to see which player, what yeah. which one of my players was doing well. So I'd go to a bar and just like watch every single TV to see what's happening because exactly. I need to know. So it definitely helps. So if anybody doesn't play fantasy out there, I think you got like an hour or two hours to still pick a team. <laughs> yeah, together. Right. Good luck with that. But <laughs> maybe, maybe next year, maybe next maybe, year. Maybe auto pick this one. Maybe auto pick, exactly. Yeah. So this weekend, we had a UFC fight card back at the Apex in Las Vegas. This is the second-to-last mm-hmm. card uh, before they go back to uh, Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. Um, Alistair Overeem, in the main event, took on Augusto Sakai in a five-round. Uh, it was a war in the first two rounds, and then Alistair Overeem just took yeah. over, and we saw Reem get his second win in a row, and just like uh, Will Ferrell in, what's that movie? Uh, what's the movie with Will Ferrell, and he's running down the street naked? Oh, um, old school. Old school. He is streaking. He is streaking. If he didn't, and if he didn't lose that fight to Jarrell's and Rosen strike in the fifth round, he would have been mm-hmm. on a five-fight winning streak. But he's on a two-fight winning streak. He says yep. this is his last go-around to get a championship. He's basically got to win all these fights if he's going to do that. But he looked very good. He did. You know what? I almost felt like it was the scene from Transformers between Optimus Prime and Megatron. I mean, the hits <laughs> that these guys were landing, especially in the beginning. I mean... Uh, Alistar wasn't really too active in the in the front end of this fight. As a matter of fact, a lot of people actually had him losing, you know, those first couple rounds. And then he just, you know, he he's such an experienced fighter. He knows when to come at it. You know, he knows how to pace himself, especially for a big guy like him. You know, it's it's really interesting to see and um, and nearly got out of it too. I mean, you could tell that he was winning it towards the end of the fight, but obviously knocking somebody out is the goal. So that way, you know, it's not up, it's not left up to interpretation or anything like that. So I, I'm glad that he did get the win. And my God, what a bloody end. <sighs> bloody, bloody end. And who would have thought Alistair Overeem, who is a K1 champion, kickboxing champion, won majority of his fights by standing KOs, is taking guys down now and taking his game to a different level as he grows older in the sport. 
which is such a smart thing to it's do. Crazy, yeah, yeah. Because a lot Why of not? these guys are are taking these. He's he's forty forty one now, I believe. Forty. I think yeah, he's forty one. Yeah, yeah. And, which and, is the new thirty apparently in this in this game. In this game for sure, and I feel like that's such a smart way to fight. Being at that age, not taking the damage while you're standing, while mm -hmm. he was uh moving around, he was guarding his face so well. Like Augusto was trying to land shots, yeah, he but he was. could not get to Alistair's face. And I feel like he's been fighting that way ever since he moved to Team Elevation up there with the likes of Curtis Blades and Neil Magny, which is the team. Once again, we got a shout out to that team. Everybody who's mm -hmm. been fighting up there. Wow. I don't, yeah. I don't think they've lost a fight this year. If I think about it, yeah, Rose has won. Drew Dober has won. Neil has won. Alistair has won. Curtis has won. Everybody they're from doing that the team. Right things, has, man. Yeah, they're doing, I don't think they get enough love. I know top team down here, people talk about a lot, but we got to give some uh, love to, to uh, Elevation and Look how they made Alistair look, and look how they've changed, evolved his game for a guy who's so old. And you know that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Look at Alistair Overing. He's doing pretty well. Apparently, you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I'm glad that he did it because, I mean, obviously, with his age, people are going to perhaps, you know, sort of discredit him and say, like, I don't know if he can get a title fight. But, I mean, if he performs like that, because I know some people, like, you know, knockouts in the first or the second round, you know, early on, but... <clears throat> It's really entertaining, at least from my, my perspective, uh, seeing somebody actually draw out a fight, a fight especially that he was losing in the beginning and come back and, and win it in that fashion, in such a convincing fact, uh, fashion. Because it's not like, it's not like uh, I guess he got a lucky hit or he connected, you know, at the right time. Like, no, he just absolutely, he thought, I guess, Augusto thought that, you know, this, this, was, this one was in the books until that fourth round. And after that, it was just all hell broke loose. Yes, and then Augusto ended up getting four ribs broken. He said two ribs broke in the second round, and then when he yeah. got taken down this, uh, in the fourth round, two more ribs broke. So he was sitting there on the floor barely able to get up, which was pretty gruesome to watch. I don't think it was a late stoppage. Some people were talking about, damn, that was hmm. a late stoppage. No, he had his hand up. He was trying to defend himself. Yeah. Let's stop with this Herb Dean uh, like, uh, slashing. We're not going to do that anymore. We're not doing that to Herb Dean anymore. He's one of the best in the game. He had a couple uh -huh. slip-ups. We're not going there anymore. Relax, people. It was not a late stoppage. He gave him a chance, as other fighters would want a chance to. So, who yeah. is Alistair Overeem fighting next? And he said he probably has three more fights left in him. So, who's going to elevate him and take him to that uh, championship fight? Well, I mean, it's a pretty stacked division. I mean, well, now Cormier, you got to remove that. So, in reality, him, yeah. his yeah, exactly. So, in reality, his re let me get this these rankings up here. In reality, you know, you have to move him up one spot because of that. So, I mean, Curtis Blades, Jarzinho, I mean, Rosenstruck just fought. You know, it, it wouldn't yeah. be a bad idea to get, uh, to get those two together again. A rematch, um, yeah. A rematch, yeah. I would love to see that. I mean, let's see who else we got. Oh, no, look at that. Alistar actually moved up to fifth because they finally – yeah, it's funny. I was looking at it earlier today. They still had um, DC on there. I don't know why. but uh, they take time. Yeah. They're, they're weird with the rankings on there. Yeah, I mean, I don't want, I don't know if Walt Harris, if that, if that's really gonna be a good idea because no, it, it wasn't really a great fight. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't really a great fight to begin with, and I feel bad too because I know Walt Harris probably felt a lot of pressure given his obviously the situation with his daughter that happened before Absolutely. that fight. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of guys on there that he can fight and 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 try to convince people. I mean, we all know that Miocic most likely is gonna go against Ngannou, and yeah. who knows, maybe John Jones. If he does, if he does indeed come at uh, come to that weight division, well, I think it's pretty certified that he's going to come to that division, right? So, 100%. I mean, why not go with somebody experienced like that? I mean, he's been in the game just as long. Um, 
Actually, no. I'm sorry. I don't think anybody's been in the game as, as long as Overeem has. No, Overeem's uh, been fighting since 1997. Yeah. Maybe Olenek. Maybe Olenek has been in the game as long. Yeah, as long. maybe maybe that's the only person. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I was seven years old. Seven that's years old. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? And now we're both 30, and we're still, still fighting. 23 Ooh. years later. Um, I no, no. I was gonna go with that with uh, John Jones. That would be a perfect intro to, for yeah. him to heavyweight. Alistair Overeem said he has no problem fighting John Jones. They used to, they used to train together at Greg Jackson, Jackson's down in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and they trained together, and Overeem said he's seen John Jones against heavyweights, and he says he fares pretty well. But he has no problem welcoming. He, he feels like it would be a huge fight. I think it would be a perfect intro. I think it would only make Overeem's stock go higher, no matter what. Um, and I think right. that would be a pretty, a pretty good fight for, for Overeem next. That or the, re, the rematch with Rosenstrike. That would be the only two things yeah. I want to see for Overeem next. And then after that... If he wins those fights, I say there's no reason not to give him a title shot. Well, I mean, definitely. If he beats somebody like, I mean, Jorginho is obviously, uh, he's beyond up and coming. You know, say that name so beautifully. You say that name so beautifully. I try. I try. But, um, but yeah, like, so he's, he's past up and coming, right? So, like, if you beat him, that's, that's beyond the statement. And then, um, obviously, you beat John Jones. I, I, it's kind of hard to picture somebody beating John Jones. Um, but, I mean, Sometimes experience outweighs endurance, and, and that's exactly what, what Overeem did this past weekend, and, and it showed. So, I mean, if he could pull the same sort of tactics against John Jones, I mean, obviously adjust your game a little bit, but in the, same, in the sense of pacing yourself, I mean, anything is possible. Anything is possible in the sport because this is always a 50-50 chance, in my opinion, unless you're fighting Actually, Amanda Nunes. But yeah, then, then that's, <laughs> that's a whole ball game. That's a whole different ball yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk, we'll talk about yeah. it in the next uh, matchup later. Uh, in the co-main event, uh, OSP, uh, Obed St. Brooks t- took on Alonzo Manningfield and defeated Sac-pa-se. him by Sacrifice to my guy, my zone man, uh, in a light heavyweight division, uh, knocked out Alonzo Manningfield in a second round, left hook mm-hmm. to the face. Ovitz is back at 205. We talked about this last time that we probably want to see him, not last time, but we talked about this a while back when right, he was a while heavyweight. Ago, yeah. yeah, when he was a heavyweight, that he probably needs to go back to 205. I think it's a better weight class for him. John Jones is no longer in the weight class. This is a perfect time for the guy who has the second most finishes in the light heavyweight division to go for a run. Yeah, and he was an underdog in this fight too. Which is was, crazy. Which is, which is crazy, but he was an underdog. I don't know if it was the age difference. I mean, it wasn't that big of a difference, but I mean, he is, like I said, he's, he's towards the, his late 30s, yeah. which he's 37, which apparently is not a big deal in this sport. And, um, but yeah, exactly. With that vacated uh, premises now in, in that division, I mean, what better, what, what better opportunity and what better time to take that opportunity. So I hope he continues doing well. And, and the funny thing is that he, uh, right before he had knocked out, uh, he, um, he had got that knockout, he actually lost his balance. And I thought like, oh my goodness, is this going to be like a Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez kind of thing? Or like a Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, you know, when Ronda came in and she fell on her flipping knee. Flipping everywhere. And, you know, <laughs> flipping everywhere, you know, like kind of. So I, I thought like, oh no, here we go. This is, this, uh, this is the, um, I suppose, what, what the betters saw in their mind. But no, he, 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 you know, he fixed himself up pretty quick and improvised and got him with that left clean. Yeah, and he talked about, he talked about that before to where he felt that his striking is way better than Alonzo's. He's going to show it. He's going to be more patient than Alonzo, and he's going to push forward. And that's literally what he did. He had that slip up. I, let, I did get out a little, a little squeal when that happened. I'm just like, no, no. <laughs> but he just yeah. lost his balance. Thank here he God. goes, here he goes. Uh, yeah, got right back up, counter-strike, even though he was going backwards, and he finished Alonzo with one strike. 
I think that Ovin St. Cruz takes his place right back in the top 10 of that light heavyweight division because mm-hmm. he's beaten the majority of the guy, guys in that division already. And maybe next, give him maybe, maybe a Yuri pro, pro, pro Washka, I can never say his last name. Somebody up there in, the, in that top 10 or even not yeah. top five, but top 10 and get him right back in there in the mix because now we're going to have such a fun light heavyweight division with no John Jones. There's going to be well, so many Rockets? matchups. Oh, or Rockets. Or, that's yeah, true. I mean, Rockets is coming off good. a win, they too. They haven't fought, yeah. and not to say Rakic yeah. looks super impressive, but if he fights a guy like <clears throat> Ovens, who has good wrestling, and Rakic try to use that, I mean, use that against um, Anthony Smith, he wouldn't be able to do that with Ovens. And Ovens has nope. pretty good striking as well, so I think that's a good styles clash. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I, I mean, Rakic is going to be there waiting for 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 Blakovich and and Reyes anyway. So, I mean, why not get another? You know, another, why not another, get another fight in between? You know, like because obviously, like he he. He won that one, uh, that last fight, pretty significantly. So I mean, uh, you, I think you would want to, especially if you're going to be fighting for a title, you would want a bit um, more challenging fight prior to taking that, obviously that title fight. Yeah, and I don't think he should wait. That that'd be a waste of time for him to do something like yeah. that, especially in this time period where everybody's taking fights. We have guys like in other weight divisions, like Brian Keller, taking almost five fights this year, and he made a lot of money. A lot of these yeah, guys man. are making a shitload of money. So there's. No reason why not take another fight. He wasn't damaged that bad in his last fight. So no, Ovens wasn't, wasn't da- damaged that bad in their last fight, fight. These are not guys who have to cut a massive amount of weight to make 205. So nope. why not get that fight going? Put that on the card in December. I know we keep talking about these, those December cards, but stack them up. Why not? End the year off with a bang. Not that kind of bang. Yeah, that was going to say, be careful. When it's you... been, right? <laughs> it's 2020. Scary, you know? That might become <laughs> literal, so be careful. <laughs> not that kind of bang, but give us... Give us something, you know. Give us something, UFC. Something nice you... to finish off the, yes. <laughs> this this horrid year that we've had so far. But that was, a, but we have great cards this year. Every card the past couple of weeks oh, has yeah. been pretty good. So we definitely thank the UFC for doing that. The Bellator too, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to forget about them. They've been putting together cards as well. Um, we got a doubleheader this weekend too. They do have a doubleheader this weekend. We're going to get into that too. Um, mm-hmm. But in some big news that we talked about last week, we weren't sure if it was going to be official. Ricardo Lamas has officially retired from mixed yep. martial arts at the age of 38. He fought Jose Aldo for the title before he was a title challenger. He won a good streak. He's fought in WEC, and he felt that this is the time for him to call it quits. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I'm, I'm not too surprised. I mean, he's been in UFC. I mean, I think UFC, his first fight, I think, was 2011 for UFC because uh, they absorbed WEC, I believe, in... Uh, in in 2010 but yeah it's been a long yeah. yeah it's been a long time he's fought a lot of big names um and you know what sometimes you know the only person that can make a decision as far as retirement is yourself so a lot of people from the outside might think like well you still got it and 38 is still young in this game but if he wants to retire then good for him and i, I hope that he he now has the time especially with this last fight uh the separation that he had from his family with the yeah. training and everything you know, it, it, that I'm sure that weighed a lot uh, heavily on his mind when he when making this decision. And, you know, obviously being able to finish off with a win, I mean, that's the cherry on top of the Sunday too, you know? Absolutely. That's a good way to go out. Just like um, I was speaking to Chris Lado about that last week of having a victory on your last fight, your retirement fight, and kind of knowing you're going to retire before that and still being able to succeed, even having that mindset. Because some people would just be like, eh, I don't know. If, even if I win or lose, I'm retiring. But no. Yeah. Ricardo Lamas was definitely, uh, definitely sure about his decision. And one thing I felt that went into this decision as well, excuse me, was his fight last year 
he got his jaw broken in two places. That's a mm-hmm. big thing for MMA fighters. I've seen guys like Cub Swanson almost retire for that. Luke Rockwell actually retired because of that, even though yeah, he's exactly. back now. But just like a broken jaw is not a fun injury. And he had it broken in two different places. And it's like, you know what? How much longer do I want to keep taking this damage? And then how much longer do I want to keep staying away from my family for weeks at a time? Because he's from Chicago. His wife and kids are in Chicago. But he comes down here to MMA Masters for weeks at a time, sometimes nine to 10 weeks. I think this time he said 12 to 13 weeks, something like I mean, that. Prob- probably because of all the with- precautions that we have to take now with COVID and everything. I mean, he probably, you know, you have to get in here sooner. You know, you have to be um, quarantining and testing and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, it's just it's, it's an exhausting process. And that's just from Chicago to Miami. Um, but even then, like, I mean, when uh, – it's, I imagine it's, it's got to be hard to be, to, to be away from your wife and your kids or your husband and your kids for that long, you know, like for these fighters. So, so good on him. I think, I think that he's uh, obviously he's, he stamped his name well into this, um, well into this, uh, into UFC and into MMA in general. And, and like I said, I, I really like also too the fact that because he's never really been outspoken as far as issues outside of the octagon. I'm glad that, um, that he did uh, this last time because, you know, obviously, time. especially, yeah, exactly. Especially, like, if you're going to be walking out, you know, go out with a bang, like you said earlier. And, um, and you know, especially in a, in a year, like we spoke, uh, we kind of finished off with in our last episode in a year where so much has been going on. And, and uh, as far as using your platform and bringing awareness to issues, um, I'm glad he did that as well. So uh, big, big retirement as far as, um, you know, obviously the career he's had, the way he ended it, and obviously going beyond the octagon and, and sharing his, his – um, his voice and his platform on his platform. Yeah. And he told a story uh, to MMA junkie about he, him, his brother passed away a, a couple of years. Yeah. Back that was when crazy. It, yeah. A couple of years back. And they all, he bought all his family rosaries to, uh, from, for the wake. He buried one with his brother and then took one for himself. And he always has that rosary around his neck for fights. And then for this fight, he was looking for it to take down to Miami before he had to go from Miami to Vegas. Cause he couldn't go back to Chicago before that. And he couldn't find it. Could not find this rosary anywhere. He gets to Las Vegas. Uh, he, I think he's, he's doing media or something, or he's on the phone. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what he was doing. And he looks at his bag, and there's like a zipper inside of a zipper. And he, no, he was saying a prayer. Excuse me. He was saying a prayer. Right. And he's like to his brother, like, please, if you just watch over me, I'll, this will be my last fight. Just watch over me. This will be my last fight. So then he like looks over at his bag. There's like a little zipper open, a little zipper inside of the other zipper. And he sees a little part of the rosary in there. And he found a rosary that he lost yeah. uh, before that. And he broke into tears and was very emotional about it. And that was, like, a big thing into his decision-making. And I gave him goosebumps when he told me that story, too, because that is – no matter what you believe in, man, there's just – a sign like that is unbelievable, yeah. and that will make you feel a certain way. Yeah, it's just one of those inexplicable things that um, – there's no point in explaining it. It just – it's it's what it is. And, and, you know, whether – how people take it, whether it's, they think it's something spiritual – or coincidental, it doesn't change the fact that it, it, it provides a profound impact into your life and into that moment and really giving you clarity as to where you are in your life. Do you continue fighting? Do you retire? What's most important? Obviously, he chose family uh, with, with this uh, after that, uh, perhaps after this fight, after that moment. Um, but obviously, he's seeing clearly now. And, and like I said, good on him. I, I wish him the best. Yeah, we wish you the best, Ricardo. You had a wonderful career. You got to fight for a title. You got a great career in WEC. And if you want to come back, you can, but you don't have to. Enjoy your kids. Yeah. Enjoy your family. 
we we should we we will be interviewing him on Monday. We'll we'll uh, put a poster out for that before the end of the weekend, and you guys should watch that. It's going to be on YouTube. Um, it's going to be good, Ricardo. We appreciate you. Uh, Nick Diaz is making his comeback to MMA. We hope. We think. Don't we hope, know. Supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> supposedly. There's, there's, no, there's nothing concrete yet. Nothing concrete yet. I put Nick Diaz kind of in the Brock Lesnar uh, realm of this. Like, you never know what, when he's going to come back or what he's going to do. These guys are so unpredictable. Um, the only promising thing that I can say about that situation is that his manager put out a video that he did a test cut, and he was about 165 to 170 pounds looking cut. If you don't know this, Nick Diaz has been on a partying streak for the past five years. He's literally lived in, he's lived in Vegas, hasn't moved out of there. I, have, I follow him on Snapchat, or if you follow him on Instagram, he's always at the club, he's at the pool. Not to say that he shouldn't do it. This guy's been fighting his whole entire life. Sometimes right. you need a break. He just needed a five-year break. Just like Dennis yeah, Robinson exactly. took a two-day break. For the, from the Bulls that those two days, you know what? Nick some Diaz people can handle years. it in two days. Some people need five years. Some people need five years. So he took five years away from the sport. Um, then COVID happened. Now he can't party anymore. So I felt like that kind yeah. of just forcefully took him out of that lifestyle. And now he's in mm -hmm. shape. He feels that he wants to fight. And he's looking at somebody in the top 10 division. Who does Nick Diaz fight? I mean, even before, who does he fight? He, I, I, uh, before we get into that, I think the difference yeah. you had mentioned, Brock Lesnar, between this is that 14-week diet that he went on. So obviously, there's an incentive here. That I don't, whether, whether it was, like you said, the lack of parting because of COVID or something like that, or maybe just that itch to get back in it. So um, who knows? Like, I, I, I think that this is something that's a bit more certain. It's not official until it's official, and Dana White hasn't obviously uh, given his stamp of approval yet. But I think this, that this is actually something that's going to happen, at least more so than you know, the speculation with Brock Lesnar. So, I mean, obviously, he's focused. And like you said, he wants to fight somebody in that top 10. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily know who, who I'd recommend first. But, I mean, it, it would be pretty cool. Because another thing, too, I'm worried about is that, yeah, top 10, but it's also been five years, you know? True. We don't know what, we don't so, know what like, shape he is. Like, I mean, we can see how, what shape yeah, he is. Yeah, he's physically look, great. Like, yeah. Physically fit. <laughs> right. But five years, I mean, a, a lot changes in five years. Like, even though you could be physically fit, um, you know, your flexibility might not be uh, what, it used, uh, what it used to be, your endurance, all those things. So, I mean, that's something that, that's definitely going to have to, that he's going to have to consider, you know. Yeah. Who, do you, who got, do you think he takes he's if, got a lot if of, he doesn't come back? There's a lot of heavy hitters. I, I would for sure give, somebody, give him somebody in the top 10 because of his name. The Diaz brothers have big names, so you can't yeah, give him a, a pity patter fight against somebody that's out of the top 15 or something like that or put him in right. a prelim or put him in a third fight on the card. He's a main event fighter. Nick Diaz has always been in main events his whole entire UFC career. There's no Nick Diaz co-main event. He's fought GSP. He's fought B BJ Penn. He's fought Carlos Condit. He's fought very huge names in the MMA uh, in the MMA world. So there's no giving him somebody like out of that top 10. I say, you know, Leon Edwards seems like he wants to fight somebody. All right, Leon, here you go. Here's That's Nick true. Diaz, you know. I feel like uh, um, so many fighters have been saying they want to fight Leon, and then nothing happens. Then he goes on interviews and saying, oh, these guys are turning me down. I don't think they're turning him down. I feel like maybe he's having some issue or something over there that maybe he can't get. No, he, he can get out of London because there's fighters fighting in Abu Dhabi from London. Yeah, exactly. Where he's from. So, and Fight Island's I mean, going to happen again now. So Exactly. And you got Fight, fight, fight Island's going to happen for the next five weeks, according to Dana White. So, yeah. Leon, jump on yeah. one of these cards. I'm not saying jump against Nick Diaz, but 
Nick Diaz can come back whenever he wants because he's been in the USADA pool the whole entire time, which is something that everybody yeah. didn't know. They thought he was out of that pool, so he's been testing clean for the past five years. Uh, mm -hmm. I know he smokes weed, but that's nothing. That's not going to enhance I mean, that's not a big deal. If that's anything, not that's, deal. That, that's not going to enhance your performance. No, 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 no. I, so. I, see, I honestly see him coming back in January, maybe next year. Mm -hmm. You know, take his time, get his air back, get his car yeah. back, get the, the groove and the feeling your feet back and mm -hmm. the rhythm. And see him come back in January, February, maybe a card before his brother or after his brother because they don't, they don't like fighting on the same card. But I say right. a Leon Edwards, maybe a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, somebody who's going to sit there. And, and even it doesn't even have to be just a, predominantly a striker because Nick Diaz is good on the yeah. ground too. But, um, yeah, maybe somebody like six or seven in the welterweight division. And then from there, he can just zoom all the way up. Or maybe he even waits to see what happens between Masvidal and, Nick, and Nate, his brother. And maybe he wants to fight Masvidal. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, who doesn't want a, a piece of that pie right now, the Masvidal pie? You know, everybody's <laughs> tuning in for that. But, you know, somebody that's not in the top 10, but I think should be. And obviously, we were talking about him last week. Perhaps uh, Neil Magny. Or Neil Magny. Yeah, Neil Magny. That would be a good fight. Yeah. That would be a I think it'd be a great fight, fight for him, both too. of them. Yeah, I think it'd yeah. be a great fight for both of them because obviously, Nick Diaz has the recognition. Neil Magny's still working towards that. So if you beat somebody as, as prominent as as Nick Diaz, I mean, that's really, talk, talk about really putting yourself on the map. Yeah, so, that would I mean, be, that, that, that would... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I think that would be a, a great fight for, for Nick Diaz in the sense of that, obviously, he hasn't fought in a long time. He fights somebody that's skilled, but obviously not top 10. And then Neil Magny, somebody who probably should be top 10, but since it's so stacked, that division, he's not. So really, if you want to implement your place in that top 10, I think uh, you can do that easily by beating Nick Diaz. Yep, and put yourself up there and give yourself a bigger name. You beat Nick Diaz, you beat Robbie Lawler, you have so many, you beat Hector Lombard, like, now you can talk, mm -hmm. about, talk about Neil Magny and co-main events and stuff, and that would help him a lot, help his stock, so I'm rooting for Definitely. that, but we'll see what happens with Nick Diaz, We because once yeah. again, you never know. Um, yeah. So, this weekend, we have the first African-American woman to main event a UFC card. Angela Hill takes on Michelle Waters in the Karate Hottie. Um, the main event fell out between Glover Teixeira and Tiago Santos about a week ago. Mm -hmm. And then the UFC announced Angela Hill and Watterson will be in the main event. Some people were a little disappointed. I was excited. First of all, I was excited because that's history. Number two, Angela Hill's fights are very fun to watch. And number three, like, why, why not? Like, seriously, yeah, exactly. why not have them as the main event? These are exciting fighters. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad that certain outlets are putting out the historical moment that this is because this is history for her being the first African-American to headline a card. And that's massive. U UFC hasn't said anything about it yet. ESPN has said, ESPN MMA has said stuff about it. But hey, Ultimate Fighting Championship, these are, this is very important. I saw Dana White leave a comment about it, which was nice of him, but I think the UFC should put that information out more. That's just not my, my personal opinion. I'm not saying I was the first one to say it, but I was. And I'm not saying anything <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> Who put the information out after me? I'm just yeah. glad that the information is out, and I'm glad that she's headlining the card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why not promote it more? You know, like, obviously, beyond a comment. I mean, this is a significant moment. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't she the first black female fighter in UFC? She is also the first black, black female fighter in the UFC. That is yeah, correct. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, yep. it's, it's only fitting. Um, you heard it here first, everybody. So, there you go. That, co <laughs> that, that coincidence. So, so uh, you want to get your trademark in there, because I don't want you Another to, one. to get spoiled, one. you know? So... No, but Copy I mean, I think like, Marcus, baby. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, like how, how fitting is that, that the first black female fighter 
for UFC. It's also going to be the first black female uh, main event. So, so it's, it's definitely something that's cool to see. And beyond, obviously, the historical aspect of it, this is going to be a good fight because both these ladies just lost, uh, controversially, I should add, um, yeah. their, uh, their last fights. You know, two big fights. Um, two big fights. Uh, they lost. It was very close uh, neck and neck uh, fights. Um, I, I, I know Angela Hill, she fought Claudia Gadelia, and we weren't necessarily like we felt like she was she was oh. robbed of that fight. And then Watterson. That was a big robbery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Watterson just lost most recently. I think I don't remember which there were. I know both fights were in May, but she lost to Esparza. And yeah, so like Esparza, these. Correct. So I'm sure I'm sure that, you know, both these women are are keen to get back into the, the ring and, and sort of redeem themselves, even though they don't really necessarily have to, because I feel like the judges sort of screwed them over on the, on the results. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when you have that bad taste in your mouth, you just, you want to get the next opportunity to wash it away and that's what they're going to have. So um, obviously massive historical aspect to this fight, but beyond that, just a, in general, a great fight to watch. Yeah. And those, those fights that they both lost were about, about two weeks apart or something like that. And yeah. we spoke about this on the podcast. Yeah, and we were see. like, Angela Hill needs to fight somebody in that top seven or eight. Like, these girls need to stop fighting each other. And boom, mm -hmm. she, gets, she gets Michelle Watterson. It's like they're like they listening to us. They might be. You yeah. never know. But, so uh, those fights were, I, were I'm sorry, uh, those fights were May 9th and May 16th. So they up. were very close to each other. Super close to each other. So they had enough time. They've had enough time. This is, we're in September now. And both, the, well, they kept moving the fight. To be honest, I think they, they moved it a month after. I think somebody had like a small injury or something. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. COVID. I don't know. But uh, the fight's happening this weekend. I think it's a very good styles clash because Angela Hill is a very good striker. Michelle Watterson is a good striker, but she throws a lot of like air. You know, when I say she throws a mm -hmm. lot of air, she's throwing high kicks, but she's throwing them from too far away and it's not really hitting anybody. So right. I feel like she really does a good job in the clinch. When she gets you in that clinch, she can take you to the ground, and she has very underrated grappling. Angela Hill has struggled with grapplers in the past. Do I think Michelle Watterson's going to submit her? She can, for sure. But in this, state of an, in this state of mind that Angela Hill has now, especially suffering that loss to Claudia Gadela the way that she did, she's going to push forward in a big way, 100%. She's going to push forward mm -hmm. on Michelle yeah. Watterson, and Michelle has to be prepared for that because I know she struggled with some strikers in the past, and she always struggles with woman that come forward and Angela yeah. Hill comes forward majority of the time and I feel like she has exactly. this newfound confidence and she has a main event slot Michelle Watson has had one already so she has the experience factor but I just see Angela Hill taking advantage of this uh this situation well I think like you said she's not a, uh, a fighter to sit back and and wait you know she definitely comes in and she comes in hot every time she fights and secondly like we uh, like we were you know we started this whole thing off with is the historical standpoint about it. So it's sort of, even though it shouldn't be, it's sort of like this added pressure, you know, because um, obviously you, wanna, you want this historical moment to, to have the perfect ending as well with, with uh, Angela Hill uh, winning this fight. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't give a prediction yet. I, I think it's going to be a close call, but um, it definitely would be something astounding to see um, not only just the first black female fighter in UFC history, but the first black female fighter in a main event win that main event. So that would be massive. A lot especially of, a lot, especially a lot with everything people. going on this year. Especially with everything going on this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's so almost crazy. fate. Yeah, it's literally almost fate. And it's crazy that UFC yeah. is not covering that as much as they should, but maybe they will on Saturday. I'll give, I'll give them that. We'll, we'll wait and see. 
But still early. No prediction. No prediction. Uh, not for me yet, man. I, 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 I get, like you this time. I have to see the weigh-ins. I have to. <laughs> I have to really douse myself instead of just making predictions out of my ass like I usually do. <laughs> but those are fun. Those are always fun. You yeah, those are always fun. fun. I mean, I, I mean, they're not. They're not entirely made up and everything. But I mean, I just. I, I feel that like. Like I said, there's a lot going on for both these girls. And then not only that, but at least Angela, before her previous loss to uh, Claudia, she, she won, whereas Watterson is due for a win because she actually lost to JJ before um, Esparza. So I think she's itching for a win more. I feel like, for me at least, the outside, the outside, uh, uh, what's it, what should I say? Like the outside motivators are, are more telling than the actual you know, readiness for the fight and preparing for the fighter. I think it's that motivation that for me, uh, at least, that most of the time decides the, the, the results of the fight. Yeah. Who are you going true. with? I'm going to go with Angela over Kill Hill, uh, and I think she's going to finish Michelle Watterson. That's not going to go five rounds. I think she's tired oh. of having this. Go ahead. Yeah, that, I was, I was going to say, that I hope. Whoever, whoever wins this fight, I hope that it's a finish and there's no more... Split decision. There's no, there's no more split decision. Yeah, no, none of that two, bullshit. These are like, two, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I feel like this fight will end in a finish because these two girls don't want to do that decision stuff anymore because it hasn't worked to their no. advantage in the past couple fights. So I think a finish happens. I think Angie Overkill gets that finish. I think she knocks Michelle Watterson either out or TKOs her and one, something within that realm. But I'm going with Angie Overkill Hill. I think she wins. She gets into the top six of that strawweight division and we see her fight her way to a title shot at some point next year against Welly or whoever has a title at that point because we don't even know yet because yeah, she's going to exactly. fight Rose at some, at some point. I don't know when that's going to happen. But speaking yeah, of title right. fights, Amanda Nunez is returning uh, to the featherweight division. You know she has two belts. She has a 135 and she yeah. has a 145. But she is coming back to the 145-pound division, taking on Megan Anderson from Australia. Uh, there is no rankings in that weight class, so Amanda yeah. kind of gets the last girl who's won their fight or last girl who's been streaking. Megan has won her last fight. She's pretty good striking wise. Not to say she's the greatest on the ground. Um, I think it'd be a pretty. Good, I think it's going to be a pretty good challenge for Amanda, in a in a sense of that Megan is very big. She's probably going to be the she's biggest very... girl that that uh, Amanda has fought. Yeah, I don't think she's ever fought somebody with the height difference between these two girls, uh, between uh, herself and other fighters. Um, because uh, Amanda Nunes is 5'8", I believe, and Megan is, is six, six foot. <laughs> six foot, yeah, exactly. So she wouldn't be interested in me because I'm too short. I only did six foot guys, right? <laughs> but, no, no, but at least you didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. No, no, no. But you're, 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 you're covered, right? Yeah. But, um, but, uh, yeah, exactly. That's no, no, high yeah, heels. no high heels. No. <laughs> it's funny. My wife is sitting here with me right now. But, um, but what's it called? Uh, yeah, I, I think this is actually going to be, just from that standpoint alone, this is going to be an interesting fight because, I mean, I honestly don't think anybody, uh, or at least I like to believe that any, uh, that, that any fighter is really going to take down Amanda Nunes, especially. I think the only thing that's going to defeat Amanda Nunes is retirement, and that's the day that she decides to retire. But if you're going to throw something in there, I mean, why not? Why not, Megan, especially with her height difference and... and um, and I like that, but Megan is, it's, it's beyond the height difference. She's a very skilled fighter as well. And she's, she's a very motivated fighter. She's, she's always talked about, you know, how she almost like, she has this, this almost this violent desire to, to end people. Um, and, you know, and the fact that she gets that, I think she even says it in one of her interviews that, 
you know, the fact that she gets to do this legally and, and that she can get away with it. Um, you Mike, know, it's like it, Mike Tyson mindset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That Mike Tyson, just killer, killer mindset, you know, like I'm not here for, for not just the art of it, but literally I get to unleash hell on somebody and have the permission to do so. I'm at it. And not only that, but why not for a title? Imagine how much even uh, the fire, uh, uh, the fire in her belly for that. I mean, she says that she's a half glass full person, you know? So, I mean, uh, half empty. So she's always going to look for a reason to, to motivate herself, kind of like Jordan, as we saw in that documentary. Any little thing is going to be enough for her to, to really go in there and go in there violently. And who knows? Maybe this is finally going to be the end of Nunes. Do I think so? Not necessarily. But, I mean, we'll get, as we get closer, we'll see how they look because this isn't going to be for a while either, right? Yeah, this is in December, December 12th. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we, got a lot of time, we got a lot of time before that fight. And... Megan, once again, size, big, big. It's going to be a big thing. Very good. First stand-up is probably some of the best I've watched in that division in, like, compared to, like, a Cyborg and Amanda. I wish Megan would have fought Cyborg. They actually were supposed to fight in Invicta, but then Cyborg mm -hmm. ended up getting that call up to the UFC. And then Megan was supposed to fight Cyborg in the UFC. Then she ended up losing to Holly Holm in a fight yeah. that she was beating Holly Holm, like, for majority of the fight that she started getting taken down. And this is when I get, I get kind of fearful with uh, Amanda Nunes because Amanda has good takedowns and she's good on the top. As you can see, when she fought Jermaine Durandami, Jermaine Durandami was out striking her and she's like, oh, none of that. And she put her on yeah, the floor. Exactly. She, she can fight her anywhere. So Megan's definitely going to have to, if she's going to win anywhere, she's going to win with heart. That, that, that's yeah. where maybe she can beat Amanda, but Amanda has so much heart. She's been through so many fights. She has the experience factor. I thought last time, remember when I made that, ridiculous uh, <laughs> prediction that yeah, Amanda ridiculous, was I, ridiculous I, I is know. an understatement <laughs> although I do I, have to give credit to Spencer uh, Spencer she really <laughs> held her own anybody else would have been would have been done in the first two rounds 100% and for her to last that long was amazing so yeah. we're, we're gonna see where uh, Megan it, her mind is because she definitely struggles a lot mentally with, with some things and we're gonna see where her mind is mm -hmm. when she's in a big fight against probably the greatest fighter ever in Amanda Nunes and on yeah. a big stage, not to say because there's an audience, but like there's an audience in the sense of pay-per-view and a lot of people are watching. Dana White's watching. Your boss is sitting right there and there's a yeah. belt on the line. And she's been a champion before in Invicta. So we're going to see if she can do that in the UFC. And that's going to be an intriguing fight to watch in December. That's for sure. And, and oh, I'm, I'm, and go ahead. No, I was going to say, and I'm also curious, isn't, I know Amanda's expecting a baby right now. So isn't, isn't, um, or, or her wife is expecting a baby. Um, answer off. Is, is that, is that going to be before the fight uh, or because she looks pretty far on. So I don't know she like how that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, that was an external factor that I was looking into because I mean, if the birth of the baby is going to be close to the fight, that's going to be uh, interesting to see. I mean, who knows? Maybe the baby's not due until after the fight anyways, but I mean, baby can always come early. It can either be two things from the baby. It can either motivate Amanda or it can take a lot from her time and she's not going to contribute enough. So right, that's exactly. going to be very interesting to see. That's a, that's a good point. Nina Ansaroff is having Amanda Nunes' baby. And I think within like the next month or two, because she looks very far along. Yeah, she looks like she's I'm, ready to go right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. If you guys are on the internet right now, go check Nina Ansaroff's page. Tell me how, how long, far along pregnant she is. We don't know. Yeah, but, right. Well, I mean, give us the answer she just the tweeted the, the, the pictures, I guess, uh, I think it was she yesterday, did. and I was just like, that's going to be cutting it close to December. Who knows? But if, if, if anybody watching right now can provide that answer, uh, how far along that Nina Ansaroff is, I will give you a free shirt, a free mask. Yeah, free shirt and a free mask, if you can answer that question by the end of the show. Um, and here's another thing. 
if Amanda Nunes beats Megan Anderson, there's nobody else for her to fight. So if Amanda yeah. wins, is that the end of the featherweight division? Of the women's featherweight division? I mean, it has to be. They don't even have rankings. Uh, I, I think there's like four or five fighters in that, in that division. And I mean, unless somebody wants to move up the division, I, I really don't see a point in, in, in having it. You know, like, it, it's like, what's the point? And then, like I said, like Amanda Nunes, who's going who's gonna to topple her? If it's, not, if, if it's not Megan right now, then, then I mean, nobody else is going to come and take that away from her. So at that point, you know, just sort of retire the belts with her. And then if Amanda wants to stick around longer, that's fine. But, you know, just let her be the last, maybe not the last, because never, I don't never say never. But, yeah. but, uh, but at least, like, just sort of finish it off. Because, I mean, seriously, who else are you going to, are you going to bring to the table? Especially yeah. if Amanda wins again. Yeah. And, and even if Megan wins, I say they rematch because Amanda hasn't lost in ages. So they'd fight again. And, but if Amanda wins, reti- to retire with that belt or retire that belt, retire that weight class, you don't need it. You have a good division in the straw weight, in 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 a phantom mm-hmm. weight, and in a uh, flyweight. You have three to other weight classes. You don't need that one. Let it develop more, maybe with like Kayla Harrison who fights with PRL, even though she fights at one fifty five, she should come down to one forty five. Let that develop. Take some time off of it. Maybe there'll be more fighters out in the future. But for right now, if Amanda wins, you don't need it. But um, yeah. all right, we have a lot of cards <laughs> this weekend, guys. We have so many fights tomorrow. Yeah. We got a Bellator card. Um, Leona Machida's taking on Phil Davis in that main event. We have a bare knuckle card uh, on Saturday as well, on Saturday with a UFC card. And in that main event is uh, Hector Lombard taking on Kendall Grove and Julian Lane taking on Tiago Alves, who's making his bare knuckle uh, debut. We got Christine Faria fighting on that card as well. And then Saturday, we have the Angela Hill versus uh, Michelle Watterson um, main mm-hmm. card. Nick, what fights are you looking forward to this weekend? Well, the bare knuckle fight, uh, it, that's tomorrow, right? Because I believe it's, it's also Fair on the anniversary n- of 9-11. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, excuse me. Yeah, the yeah. Knuckles tomorrow, not Saturday. I apologize. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm looking forward to that because I, I had never seen, um, I've never actually watched Bare Knuckle before. So, uh, I was actually checking it out. And then especially after your interview with Christine, uh, I, it's something that I definitely want to see. So, I'm definitely going to be tuning in for that. Um, and I'm just looking forward to, it's sort of like I was looking at uh, between Christine and also the events that are going on this weekend between Bellator and UFC. It's sort of like that futures female type of, I mean, we just finished talking about Amanda Nunes. You have obviously Angela Hill, Michelle Watterson uh, fighting this weekend, but you also have Kat Zingano making her uh, Bellator debut. You also right. have, um, what's her name? Liz. Oh my Liz goodness. Carmouche. Liz Carmouche. Liz Carmouche. Liz Carmouche. She's also making her Bellator uh, uh, debut. So lots to watch out for these females. And, and like I said, it's, it's, it's interesting seeing all these, <clears throat> it's interesting seeing this progression in women's sports, and, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to see it, especially, you know, like, we, I mean, I don't have kids yet, but the day that I have, um, that I have kids, and I just happen to have daughter, if I have a daughter or two daughters or whatever, I want them to feel like they can accomplish just as much as the boys can, and that's, that's something that, that I'm really happy to see, you know, this promotion of women, uh, women's sports, um, and especially this weekend, like I said, I mean, there's so many examples to look forward to. Yeah, that's right. It's a very female forward weekend with a lot of fights with the main event, with Christine fighting, with Kat Zagano fighting, Liz Carmouche fighting. There's a lot to look forward to for sure uh, in a female yeah. fight wise. Um, one fight that I'm looking forward to that's uh, hidden is Bobby Green's fighting this weekend. Bobby Green's fight on Saturday Bobby against Green's Alan fighting? Patrick. Yeah, what? I know. It's like hidden on a preliminary, which is absolutely absurd. What is Bobby Green doing on a preliminary card? This is one of the most exciting fighters 
in the UFC. He should be on that main card. He, he should be the co-main event, to be completely honest. Um, they have him fighting Alan Patrick. Alan Patrick hasn't fought in two years. I'm a little confused with the matchup, but Bobby Green is not wanting to turn a fight down. So I think Bobby Green wins that fight, and he hopefully they give him somebody in the top 15 in that lightweight division because he's been fighting too long and beating too many good people for him tonight to be fighting in top 15 fights. But there's a sleeper right there. Bobby Green's fighting on Saturday. Um, another fight I'm he's looking forward to. He's yeah, in the prelims or he's in the prelims? He's, pre- he's in the prelims. It's crazy, I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. But um, we have another fight uh, in Bellator. Patruki Mix is taking on Juan Archuleta, and that's for the vacant 135-pound bantamweight title. I think that's going to be a really good fight. I think we can mm-hmm. definitely see if Juan Archuleta is finally going to win that title. He's fight- fought in between 145 and 135 his whole career. He's had title shots before. I feel like this is going to be one of his last chance within the Bellator realm to get a title. Um, Patruki Mix is really good. That's going to be a pretty good matchup. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock Weaver is going to be fighting on Saturday. I interviewed him yesterday um, or two days, two days ago. Was that yesterday? I don't even remember. These, 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 weeks, go by, yeah, these yeah. weeks go by so fast, I don't even know. I was, I was <laughs> tuned in for that one, so it was yesterday. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he was, he was supposed to fight um, Frank Camacho, but Frank Camacho unfortunately caught COVID. So yep. now um, Brock is going to be taking on Jalen Turner, and it's going to be a catchweight. I think it's going to be a catchweight about 165 pounds. Brock posted last night that he was going to a restaurant to eat. So he doesn't have to cut that much weight. I yeah, think he's why not, pretty right? close to weight. Um, he's taking a short notice fight, so that's going to be really interesting to see a clash of styles there. Um, another fight I'm looking forward to is Machida versus Davis to see where they're at in their career. They fought seven years ago in the UFC mm-hmm. in a main event. Uh, not a main event. It was on an undercard of a UFC uh, event. Uh, Phil Davis won that first fight. We're going to see if Machida is still up there and he can still hang. And if he does, we can see one of them fight for a title at Bellator for that 205 title that Ryan Bader recently mm-hmm. lost to Nedkoff. So that should be interesting. Um, of course, the main event of, of Saturday's card. I'm curious to see how Kat Zagano looks because she hasn't fought in two years ever since she got an eye injury uh, against Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson kicked her with a, a left kick, and Kat Zagano literally mm-hmm. thought that she lost her eyeball. So that was a little scary. Yeah. Um, I want to see how she's going to look there. And then one more sleeper of a fight that I'm looking forward to is uh, Julia Avila versus Sajara Eubanks. Julia Villa is pretty good striking-wise, and she's very fast, and she starts off really quick. And mm-hmm. Eubanks is a strong 135-pound woman. She Thank God she moved up weight. She used to find straw weight, and she just couldn't make weight. So she's more comfortable there. So definitely going to see a future of that weight division there. So another female fight to watch uh, this weekend as well. Um, yeah, those are the fights I'm looking forward to this weekend. Those are going to be pretty good. And, of course, oh, Christine Faria, I'm definitely excited to see her fight because – if she wins in impressive fashion, which I feel she wins, she will give her Paige Van Zandt next. That will be an excellent fight. I want to see Christine Faria take on Paige Van Zandt. If she has a great performance, uh, appar- apparently co- uh, Paige Van Zandt's husband caught COVID, but she didn't. Um, Paige is supposed to make her debut in November. Christine w- wins pretty quick here. Perfect fight to make in November. Yeah, she I- doesn't I take too much damage. I mean, yeah. it's, I-, I find it so funny, too. I was watching Christine, uh, Christine's video of her taking the COVID test. And it's yeah. amazing, like, how it, it, I, I've taken it twice, uh, or I've taken it, actually, no, my wife has taken it twice, I've taken it once. It's extremely uncomfortable, but I do find it funny how we're looking at fighters who are fighting literally <laughs> bare-knuckle. 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 And that is, that, yeah, that's a, apparently more inconvenient than taking, uh, the test is more inconvenient than taking a fist to the face. But I can't blame her either, because it is, it is a bit uh, intrusive. 
to say that yeah, I think I've taken it myself and I was just like I was doing the same thing I was just like let me know let's let, just let me know that's like, like, three, count count three. Three. <laughs> three, three. she kept having the, the the lady holds her head you guys should check that out it's a pretty funny video yeah, I'll man, post it, it in my story after this but um yeah I want to see her she doesn't take too much damage her versus Paige Van Zandt in uh November but last but not least we're gonna discuss Mr. Cosmot who has gotten right. two fights booked which is the craziest thing I've ever heard I it's feel Damian, like it's, it's, uh-huh. it's Damian Maya and who else? Against uh, Gerald Murchart, which is next Saturday in the middleweight division, mm-hmm. and then in the welterweight division against Damian Maya in October. Yeah, okay. Dana White guarantees that both of these fights are going to happen. That is the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard of in my life, to tell Gerald Murchart, hey, you're going to fight this guy? But he's already got another fight book because we feel like he's going to beat you. If yeah. that doesn't motivate Gerald Murchart to, to go at Cosmot crazy, I don't know what else would. I mean, at the same time, Hasman has been has been extremely hot. I mean, he's only two and zero, but I mean, it's uh, his first fights were were ridiculous. I feel it's almost like watching professional athletes go against high schoolers, um, and that's no disrespect to the fighters that that he that he convincingly beat. But I mean, it's just like who's going to stop this guy? So I mean, why, it's it's almost like if we can't find the fighter, then we'll press the time against you, right? By giving you these events, so so close and, and back-to-back and everything like that. But obviously, he's not phased by it. So, and that's what he wants. I mean, he doesn't, he's not a patient person, which is weird because we, we talk with, I remember when we talked about him, you know, like these Dagestani fighters, you know, they, they tend to be a little bit, you know, more humble. They're not very showboaty and everything like that. But this guy is, is you know, definitely um, cut from a different cloth because he wants the attention. He wants the limelight. He wants the opportunities. And he's not scared to get them either. Give me one, give me one hour, brother. I go in the back. I rest a little bit, I drink a little water, I come back, and I fight at somebody else again. Listen, Cosmot, you're asking for a lot, but hey, I can't dog anybody for doing that. I just think it's disrespectful in the UFC's end against Gerald Murchart, who has tied for the most middleweight submissions ever in UFC history. And Cosmot is a guy who takes you down and dominates you. So you're going to have somebody good with submission on on his back in Gerald Murchart. So I think it's going to be a pretty good and interesting fight. I want to know... What weight class is Cosmot fighting in, like, completely? Like, what weight class is he going to choose? Because he's fighting in two different weight classes here, 185 next Saturday and then 170 mm-hmm. in October. you gotta choose a, you got to choose a weight class. You can't go be jumping back and forth. It's a little annoying and just, like, where are you going to jump in rankings? You can't be in two – I mean, you can be in two different rankings, but just stay in one, work up your way up towards uh, a title or in a top five of, the, of a weight class, mm-hmm. and then worry about moving up. But I get it. You, he, wants, <laughs> he wants to take – excuse me. You want to take as many fights as possible because there's time to do that this year. But pick a weight class. I mean, but at the same time, uh, I I don't think he he really feels that he needs to. I mean, obviously he's shown that like he's he's beyond ready for the, for this uh you know for this league and and I think that if you can dominate, I mean, at the same time he's still getting his feet wet in this league. So if you could dominate in both divisions. Great. And if not, at least you're, fi- you're figuring out and fighting in both divisions. Like, okay, like, obviously, this is my strong suit. The other one, I'm going to go ahead and leave behind. But who knows? Maybe this guy has been so phenomenal that not even, I think in his last fight, the other guy didn't even have uh, one strike. You know, like, so uh, I, if, if you could be dominant in both and be climbing simultaneously, and obviously Dana's impressed by this guy. So as long as the boss is, I mean, yeah, it's not fair, but life isn't fair. You know, if the boss is impressed with you, you're going to move along faster than others, unfortunately. True. Very, very true. Well, we're going to see what happens next Saturday. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. He wins that fight. 
we see him against Damian Maya, which would be very intriguing because it's going to be yeah. a grappler versus grappler. And Damian Maya loves those kind of matchups because he's just like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. have to stand. I can just be on the ground and just grapple with somebody. Let's yep. go. Let's go. And I've never seen Damian Maya against any of those um, Chechen uh, slash Dagestanian guys who are very good grapplers in his career. Yeah, in his career, Damian Maya has never fought anybody like that. So that should be pretty interesting. And I always thought in my mind, I would always love to see Khabib and uh, Damian Maya like grapple one day in some kind of like grappler's quest. But I feel like we're going to get a little bit of a preview of it coming up in, um, in October. Yep, pretty much. Who wins? Okay, we got a question down here. Who wins? Tyson versus uh, or Roy Jones Jr.? Um, yeah. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what kind of fight it's going to be. I don't know if they're really going to go at it like straight up. I know Mike Tyson has no backwards in his blood. Um, Roy nope. Jones Jr. has fought re- more recent than him, which was two years ago. Mike Tyson hasn't fought in 15 years. Uh, I would love to see old Mike Tyson, of course, come in there and knock him out quick, but I, I I don't know. It depends on what kind of fight we're gonna see. I'm gonna I, I'll make that the I'll make that choice closer to the fight. We'll see how their bodies look and yeah. how both of them look uh, sparring. Nick, not I mean Brock uh, in your interview yesterday, he, he provided some perspective that a lot of people are underestimating Roy Jones Jr. a lot, and I know that Mike Tyson is you know just an absolute killer. And I've I mean the whole reason why I'm a fan of fighting is because of Mike Tyson. But like you said, it's way too early to call. We gotta see like exactly what the rules are and and how things are gonna go. Uh, what kind of shape are they going to be uh, by then? But it's it's too soon to tell in my in my book. Uh, yeah. But yeah, would I love to see uh, Mike Tyson win? Absolutely. Would I like to see Roy Jones Jr. win? I'd like to see uh, yeah him too. I mean, for me, it's a win-win situation. I'm going to be happy either way. I'm just yeah, excited really. to see both these guys fight again. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see them fight and guys I never thought would fight each other in their careers. Period. So that's going to be fun to see. It's going to be fun yeah. to see Mike Tyson come out and just literally to see his entrance and hear the music and see mm-hmm. how ferocious his looks and, and see that feeling of I'm going to kill somebody in his eyes. So that's going to be interesting to see and fun to see as brutal and morbid as that sounds. But it's Mike yeah. Tyson. Come on, come on now. You can't get any more brutal than that. Uh, we had one more question. If you could bring uh, a fighter out of retirement to fight, who would you choose? Uh, oh, that's an easy one. George St. Pierre, duh. I was going to say GSP. Yeah, GSP, fight Khabib. That's what I want And hopefully, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, hopefully against Khabib. So, yeah. Uh, But you also got another one here that says, who wins between Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson? That's a good question. Who wins between Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson? The fans. The fans, yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) If they're allowed to be there. Yeah. I mean, even if they're not allowed to be there, but just for us to watch that fight, that's going to be unbelievable it's not official yet because Dustin Poirier said he needs to get paid uh before he signs that which I don't blame him because Dustin Poirier has been in so many wars his past couple of fights paid a man and against Tony Ferguson the guy who's was finished for the first time in his career against uh Justin Gaethje recently that's going to be hard so mm-hmm. I say the fans win in that fight I'm not going to give any predictions there until that fight yeah, comes exactly away. <laughs> That's true. No sense. Yeah. No sense in being premature about it. We don't want no. another Amanda Nunes, uh, Spencer type of prediction uh, from you. God. In other news, <laughs> wait. Uh, who do you want to see John Jones make his heavyweight debut again? Uh, Josh, if you watch the, um, if you watch a little bit earlier in this, which is going to be posted, we talk about that. Um, we said between uh, Overeem would be a good intro to that weight class. But mm-hmm. if you watch a little ahead, I give like a, we give a full breakdown of who we want to see him fight. Um, but guys, we have football tonight. We got Chiefs versus the Texans. We got Lakers yeah. against Houston. Tomorrow we got bare knuckle fighting. 
Tomorrow we got Bellator. Saturday got UFC fights. We got Bellator so again. much going on, on. We got Bellator again on Saturday. Excuse me, the yep. two Bellator cards. There is just so many things going down this weekend, guys. You can't be bored. Don't tell me you don't have anything to do. You got plenty to do and you got plenty to watch. But, of course, thank you for watching us and thank you for listening. You know where this will be. It'll be on all streaming platforms. It'll be on my Instagram. We appreciate you guys. Nick? Take a listen, guys. And also, I just want to pay my respects. Obviously, it's an anniversary tomorrow of 9-11, an anniversary yes. I wish that we didn't have. Um, it's been 19 years already. It's been kind of crazy. Uh, wow. But uh, one thing that I do, I guess, you know, as horrid as that memory is, one thing that I do uh, remember that I was fond of is the, the unify, how unifying that event was, unfortunately. Um, or fortunately, it took a, a, a situation like that to unify people. So I think we can learn from that. Um, let's not wait till shit hits the fan to, to unify and to, to, be, to be grateful towards one another and compassionate towards one another. So just wanted to put that out there. Don't forget, everybody. Um, just, you know, just, uh, just so you have it in mind, you know, obviously take an appreciation of everything that you have and know that, you know, life is, uh, you know, tomorrow's not promised today. So, you know, hug your family tighter today uh, or, I mean, keep your distance, obviously, with your social distancing. But, you know, your immediate family, whoever you're with, your friends, you know, send them a text. Uh, you know, it, uh, care doesn't, ha doesn't have to be always physical. You know, it could just be a text. It could be, uh, you know, a call. So, so you know, just, just um, unfortunately with that anniversary, just remember all the good things you have. And, um, and also, like I said, be compassionate of one another and, and grateful for one another as well. That's right. Great message. Great message. That 9-11 uh, anniversary tomorrow. That's huge. And to anybody who's lost anybody uh, during that time period, you know, pray for you. And hopefully everybody in this country can come together on, on that day. And praying for the people in, in Portland as well, in Oregon, not, not just Portland, Oregon, California with the fires. It's been crazy over there. Yeah, man, uh, it's nuts. I know they got to evacuate, but we're praying for you guys over there. Um, yeah, we appreciate you guys yeah. for watching us. We will be back next week. Um, we will be on Monday with Ricardo Lamas. Uh, I'll put the link and everything for that. We'll talk about that soon. We appreciate you guys. Me, Nick, we're out. Pick up your merch, peep. Pick up the merch! Oh, my God, and one apology. I just called uh, McGowan. Mike, I mean, Josh. Why did I call you Josh? I'm sorry. I mean, Mike. My bad. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I still have your shirt. All right, guys. <laughs>